Welcome to our ICT4D conference podcast. My name is Sonja Rutzel at Catholic Relief Services. And today I bring you another episode in our series on Digital Tech for Peace. It's my pleasure to speak with Dr. Sanjaya Hatudua, the Special Advisor at the ICT for Peace Foundation, calling in from New Zealand. Welcome, Sanjaya. In our podcast, we are particularly interested in exploring how INGOs can better use their online presence and social media to support peace building and social cohesion. But before I ask you for your specific advice, could you please tell us a little bit more about the ICT for Peace Foundation and your role specifically? I have been very privileged to work with the foundation since 2006 in the capacity as a special advisor. The foundation is the custodian of the World Summit on Information Societies, uh, paragraph 36, which is a long-winded paragraph. I don't expect listeners to read through all of it, but it essentially says something really interesting and important, I feel and think. It says and suggests that technology is integral to our tryst with peace. What a wonderful thing that is to think about. And this was many, many moons ago. This was in the early 2000s. So it is prescient that that paragraph was included uh, because of the leadership of Switzerland and Ambassador Daniel Stauffacher, who's the uh, who's who's the lead uh, you know, entity and, and an individual who created the foundation and leads it today. And the foundation exists, I suppose, as an observatory to give high-level strategic advice on a number of issues related to tech and peace building, but also grounded global South-oriented advice as well as a consequence of my own lived experience, which is not from the West. It's quite a unique organization in that regard. We, we are from the ground. We have a perspective on grounded context, but we also have a very high-level perspective on, on the international context. And We translate policy through to tech policy, through to lived experience. Um, we understand data as something that is grounded and contextual and gendered. Uh, and we speak to both the UN as well as domestic organizations in the same level of competence. So it, it's fascinating work that the foundation does to promote a better understanding of the manner in which technology can aid and assist and help societies better and more fully realize their democratic potential and increasingly also sounding the alarm bell around the degree to which dis and misinformation and information disorders are harming the democratic fabric and social cohesion. Thank you for the introduction. Now, in your experience, how can civil society organizations better use their often strong online presence and social media for peace building efforts? Whatever that INGOs are engaged in and seek to support the countries and contexts that they're operational in needs to embrace and recognize the role of social media. That's an absolute starting point. And there are at least two ways of looking at this. One is the degree to which you leverage the power and potential of social media to get your own message out, how you communicate strategically intentionally, meaningfully, in a timely way and fashion, uh, and to specific audiences, not just broad blanket broadcasts, but communicating it to the audiences that matter, that that you want to change or in, uh, change the minds of or inform an opinion around, and, and how you use social media in that regard. 
Uh, and that would require fairly sophisticated understanding of uh, platforms and products that are used by various demographics um, in the country that one operates in or is present in. And this, it, it differs, right? I mean, uh, one country may have coordinately high use of WhatsApp, another may be Facebook Messenger, another may be Instagram direct message, uh, messaging, uh, another may be uh, YouTube comments, yet another may be on Facebook pages, and uh, a different country might actually be um, conducting its uh, civil political discourses on TikTok. And so you really need to know um, the context of the country or the context that you're operating in in order to get those strategic messages out in platforms that really reach and speak to target demographics. Now, the 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 the, the other part of it uh, that you know it, it really requires a marriage of the two is that INGOs also need to be aware of what is actually happening out there, who is talking, what they're talking about, what products and platforms are they are they using to produce the content that matters to one's mandate and has an impact on one's mandate, um, and uh, why are they talking about it in the way that they're talking about? And that then requires you to understand, meaningfully harvest, comprehensively look at and analyze, and really understand in a grounded, contextual manner the content that is being produced by others that are of consequence to the INGO. So one is, if you were to see it that way, putting out what one, one wants to put out to strengthen uh, the projects and programs that one does. And the other is to see what others are talking about around those relevant issues and topics and uh, maybe even geographic areas or whatever, and then use that to kind of inform and influence one's own strategic communications that respond to those uh, things that others are saying. And, it, you know, these are really complicated. I mean, I, you know, I just say these things, but very often you find INGOs who believe they're good in one, failing and flailing with the other. You also, even in 2022, find very often INGOs uh, who believe that only one is enough. And then sadly, even again in 2022, you find INGOs who don't believe really that social media is of any consequence to what they do, simply because they find or believe that uh, what they do isn't relevant to be promoted or produced or propagated or talked about on social media, or reciprocally that whatever that is talked about on social media has no consequence to their mission or mandate. Uh, and all of these three positions are, are, are erroneous um, and not fit for purpose. And so my broad advice to INGOs would be to accommodate um, the strategic vision that clearly internally articulates the importance uh, of social media in one what does, communicates, and how what uh, and how the INGO engages um, with the country and context it is located in. Thank you, Sanjaya. That's great advice and a really important reminder that social media is as much about listening as well as sharing. Now, the reason we started this podcast series was that there seems to be an increased interest by NGOs in using their digital presence and technology for peace building, even the organizations which are not traditionally in this space. So, what trends are you seeing and what specifically has changed over the past couple of years and during the COVID pandemic? Well, I'm a cautious optimist. 
Um, and the pandemic has certainly, for all of us, changed the way that we interact with the world and even do our work. So the INGOs and institutions that um, locally or and domestically or regionally and internationally work on policy issues and peacekeeping and peace building and you know related aspects of governance simply haven't been um, apart from that development, right? I mean, they've also had to accommodate remote working and um, perhaps a greater emphasis on social media than they ever would have had to consider pre-pandemic. So in that sense, yes, the pandemic has changed the way that INGOs operate. Um, however, I mean, uh, the shift didn't occur just because of the pandemic. I think um, where I come from in Sri Lanka and in the global south, it was ridiculous and ludicrous to even imagine communicating with the population uh, for years before the pandemic without embracing uh, social media. I mean, we've been on social media for now close upon 15 years and everything from love, sex and marriage uh, through to politics and economics and communal issues and cultural issues and histories and domestic uh, to foreign policy are debated and discussed and even perhaps constructed on social media every day. And so this was not a this was not a construct of the pandemic. This existed before and was accelerated on account of the pandemic. And INGOs, I suppose, have recognized this and with, of course, huge variance. I said cautious optimist because I see that there is also in the adoption and adaptation of social media strategies, huge variance. And, you know, as that ancient aphorism goes, a little knowledge can be a very dangerous thing. So some believe that just having a presence on various accounts and platforms and products is enough that you occasionally put up a photo and then all is good. Um, others don't see the need, as I said uh, earlier, to kind of really look into and harvest and study in a grounded, contextual, gendered manner uh, what is out there and what people are talking about. Um, and that is really important um, because if you don't know what people are talking about and how and who and over what and which demographics and why, what is driving those emotions and those and that articulation in the manner it is present on social media, you 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 have a blind spot, right? I mean, you you need to know what the pulse of the people are if you are interested in responding to um, you know what those motivations are what those what those fears and anxieties that that undergird that 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 content are so uh, that aspect of it i really have not seen too much and you know in, in my home country sri lanka it's it's abysmal um really even in civil society the degree to which that knowledge that interest that technical capacity and the investments around that area are present even in 2022. Much more discussion about putting a message out, you know, in a, in also in very, very um, uh, amateurish ways. But at least there's an interest in kind of putting a message out and the, 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 the fuller, richer embrace of social media today for many than was the, perhaps the case uh, pre-pandemic. Um, so, again, I mean, uh, you know, I don't want to be too pessimistic. Uh, I'm cautiously optimistic that. Um, the consequences, as you correctly noted in your question, also uh, of disinformation and misinformation uh, that have been at a heady pitch for two and a half years and are not going to go away, um, really have been a wake up call for INGOs in whatever domain that they're working around and in, that they really need to get a grip on what's going on and wrong and the power and potential, not just the pitfalls of social media. 
there are a lot of organizations from the national to the subnational from the regional to the international from the un through to regional uh, multilateral organizations through to bilateral relationships and high commissions and embassies as well so there's a there's a whole spectrum of representation if you want to see it that way on social media that is really different from what it was a few years ago and that's a that's a net benefit right you have these individuals or institutions that um, as i said with some variance but still very interested in putting out their ideas and communicating and engaging with the countries and the context that they are working in now that is already a body of knowledge right i mean you don't need sanjana hatto to on a podcast to tell you that i mean the, the the guides the resources the frameworks the policies the application the examples whether you whether you want the institution or the individual or the media or the kind of study of social media whether it's the output or the harvesting whether it's the analysis or the strategic communications part all of it is out there i mean there's a cornucopia of material and also the, you know the lived experiences of activists right i mean that's also hugely important so there is absolutely a, a tremendous wealth of knowledge and resources out there it doesn't i mean it really doesn't require me to say that this is xyz or abc or what you need to do i think what somebody like me would say you know at a later stage once you've got the basics and the basics are really easy to grasp because they're all out there is that what do you want to do as a strategy i mean that's the harder part right i mean it's not just creating accounts and really nearly putting content out there that's a conversation that you need to have within the organization and i would encourage that conversation and you know in your question let us not assume that you want the fruits of labor to be always immediate urgent and in the near term some of these institutions have really grappled with cultural change within with senior leadership up until a few years ago who were completely obdurate to what we are talking about because they are generationally behind and they are incapable of imagining anything beyond or different to what they have grown up with and how they have conducted affairs in their respective institutions so with a new uh, changeover with younger people coming in you know this is like the digital literacy that they've grown up with so they talk different they talk with hashtags they talk with memes they, they they talk with and through tiktok so it's literally changing organizational culture by being who you are and doing what you've done growing up Uh, and introducing that culture of communications and the culture of discourse in ways that can aid and benefit the organizations that you're working in thank you sanjaya that's very interesting and definitely the importance to adapt to a changing culture of communication and as you said earlier also embracing different or new social media tools depending on the country or communities we wish to engage with that's my key takeaway from this interview so thank you very much for sharing your insights and joining us today all right thank you so much okay thank thank you so much for your time okay and- take care bye